Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast. We're bringing to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Doug. He is the CEO over at LeadSpace. Thank you so much, Doug, for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. I know, you know you're busy and you got a lot of things going on, um, but I appreciate you taking the time to be on here. And uh, to get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit of background on you, like how you came to the position that you're currently in. Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's super exciting to be joining your podcast. And you said all of that incredibly quickly. You're obviously very experienced at it. Uh, so I am the CEO over at Leadspace, leadspace.com. I've been CEO here for the last five years. Uh, we are a customer data platform for B2B sales and marketing. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that. But I've been in the sales and marketing space for a long time. Prior to this, I was the chief marketing officer over at Salesforce. It's the chief marketing officer for Skype. I was at McKinsey for many years, leading the marketing practice there. Very, very cool. Now, what is, you know, aside of that, like, how did you get into the tech space? Because everything that you mentioned is very tech, uh, you know, tech first, I guess you could call it. Yeah. So uh, I've got a British accent, as you might know, and I grew up in the UK and I studied physics at university. But what was really interesting to me back in the day, my first job was selling shampoo, which is not very techy. But at the same time, the interaction between analytics, even in those days, and selling consumer products was really, really transforming things. So my marketing director at that time, when we make an ad, how did they decide whether the girl wore a blue dress or a green dress? Uh It was really about what people thought and subjective views. But I wanted to bring data to that. And that drew me through, you know, McKinsey and the work that we were doing there, serving some early stage companies during the dot-com boom, and now really onto the transformation we've seen both in B2C and B2B about analytics changing the way mm-hmm. marketers work. Right. And everything like, like right now, right? Like, and I feel like we're still barely scratching the surface as far as like what we can do with tech, but you see it throughout pretty much any industry now where they're implementing different, you know, different softwares to do things easy and more effectively, obviously. Um, how do you, how do you see, you know, tech going, let's say, in the next 10 years? So I think, I think there's two trends. First, clearly technology is an enabling an incredible amount of stuff, right? We're an AI company. So what are we trying to do? We're basically trying to automate what historically people have done. In our case, the search for good prospects, leads, accounts, and how to find out information, you mm-hmm. typically give that to a salesperson. Now we're automating that through AI and so forth. So that trend in terms of needing to understand and use technology is critical. But at the same time, we go to all of our customers and we're seeing they're using 20, 50, 100 different SaaS platforms just for doing marketing and B2B. Yeah. And so at the same time, you've got to not be blinded by tech. It's not a solution to problems. 100%. It enables you to do things differently. Very, very good answer. I, I definitely agree with that. And, and you definitely see, you know, whether you're a, a small business or a large business, and then you have all these people with like 20 different subscriptions to a bunch of different things, uh, spending like half their revenue on that alone. But it's definitely, I think it's, it's, it's a good point that you mentioned, you know, it's enabling and it's not necessarily going to do everything for you, which is, it's, I think it's good to, to notice that as well. Now, how long has LeadSpace been around for? Yeah. And, and let me just build on one thing that I come to LeadSpace. So we had this term consumerization of IT. Do you remember that term? Mm-hmm. Right, really big 10 years ago. I think that's also gone away. 
because I think that this idea that consumer products are relevant in the enterprise space is also changing from a tech perspective, which is why everyone's got all these little subscriptions, but that's not what changes the organization. So, uh, so let me talk a little bit about LeadSpace. Yeah, so I've been here for the last five years. LeadSpace is a company that's been around for 10 years. It was founded in Israel with an Israeli company. Um, the founder is a guy called Abnon Mashor. He came out of the NSA, Israel effectively. And what they were doing was trying to find the bad guys, the terrorists. Um, and then we're applying that same technology to help B2B companies find great prospects and customers using implemented data sets. That's awesome. Now, obviously, you know, you're very data-driven, and uh, this is a question that I have for you, essentially. How does LeadSpace use data for customer acquisition, right? Like, you, you have a ton of data, so how are you using that to your advantage? So, in a sense, we use LeadSpace for LeadSpace, which is a huge advantage. If you look at our marketing costs as a percentage of revenue, we're, like, probably best in class because we get to use the product for free. But the point of a customer data platform is we aggregate over 60 or 70 different data sets, you know, like DMB and ZoomInfo and Discover and, you know, um, uh, some of the intent data companies. And we bring that all together. And the hard bit that people have with data today is not accessing the data, it's making sense of that data. So we use machine learning and AI to create a single identity. And then we use algorithms on top of that to say, you know, who should we be going after? Who's the right target accounts? You know, what should I do to that? So recommendations, and then we activate that in ABM campaigns and advertising campaigns through Salesforce, Marketo, whatever. So, you know, what we're trying to do is really create a single platform that has both the data and intelligence in it, custom mm -hmm. platform, single source of truth, so that we can get much better at the way we do marketing. Very good. Who is, lead spaces like dream client like like what kind of you know what characteristics do you find in, in in your perfect client yeah so we've got you know close to 200 customers today we yeah. tend to focus on enterprise companies right we're not selling really to the smb market we're really selling to large organizations so for example we have seven out of the top 10 software customer clients customers as clients, you know, the likes of Microsoft and Oracle and Salesforce are all customers of us. And I think that's really important. We are looking, you know, we are really on the forefront of using AI and sales marketing. So we tend to look for people who really care about data yeah, and you understand that, Craig. Like, like you don't want to have to explain what you're able to do with these sort of applications. Yeah, absolutely. You're looking for people who are looking to drive transformation, be smart in what they do. I wouldn't, you know, early majority, let's put it that way, in terms of how they're using these products and who want to invest behind these kinds of products. And so we tend to see technology, telco, you know, some retail, some financial services driving this, you know, companies like Amex and so forth. And I'm sure that will work its way out. It's no different actually from Marketo or Salesforce, very followed a similar pattern, like the cloud was adopted by people who understood the benefits of cloud first, but now, every single company uses Salesforce. And I think we'll see the same. And it's just a fairly typical SaaS technology adoption curve, actually. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest objections you get? And, and I don't know if you know these, these answers to these questions, right? Since you're not, you may not be like over, like outside selling to these companies essentially, but like to your understanding, like what are some of the things that people will say when, when you're either pitching them or, or trying to get them to close? Yeah. <laughs> 
honestly, as a CEO of a company at our stage, I spend a lot of my time selling and talking to customers. You have to. Um, and I, I think that's good practice in the B2B space. So the kinds of objections people have is that, you know, first of all, uh, you know, the biggest problem that many marketeers have is that, you know, it's the shortest tenured job in any of the C-suite roles, right? And so people are very worried in some ways about, you know, is this safe? Is, I, is it going to use it? They often buy the concept, but there's, there's an element of that risk aversion that's going on. So you have to show people examples of other companies who've seen really good results or the ease of implementation and all this kind of stuff. Secondarily, we often have a problem in terms of the marketing and IT interface. So marketing can get on board with doing things. But in some of our customers, it takes two years for us to yeah. get through an IT process and all this kind of stuff. So those kind of often are the objections. And then thirdly, we are doing something different. I sometimes describe what we're doing as the difference between Alta Vista and Google. So when you used to, when, well, when you used to put like a good dry cleaner into Alta Vista and you put it in the search results, you tend to just get a lot. I mean, they were dry cleaners. Maybe they were good. Maybe they weren't. And maybe they had good coverage. You put that into Google, you get like the best dry cleaners, fantastic coverage, but you might in there also find a book about dry cleaners because it's algorithmic, it's AI, it's not rules-based. In the same way, when you start applying AI to sales and marketing, you see the same thing. No one cares about that if you're showing Facebook ads because, you know, I show a million ads. If a thousand of them or a hundred thousand of them go to the wrong people, no one knows. Right. As long as you just measure results, that's programmatic advertising. When you get into B2B sales and marketing, if the marketing organization is giving salespeople leads that the salespeople don't like, there's a lot of feedback from that. So these are kind of some of the organizational dynamics we have to deal with as well. Very well. Now, you mentioned you were CMO at a couple of different companies. What are yeah. some of the biggest, you know, I guess, takeaways that you've gotten from, from being in that role at those, at those companies? Just as, yeah. as, I guess, as marketing as a whole. Yeah, so um, so a few things, right? I mean, I, I always have the same kind of key mantras on, on some respects. So first, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, you know, marketing has gone from being very creative, that's great, to being very analytical, right? And one of the things I've always encouraged my teams to do, and I think is very important for marketers, is to make sure that the analytics is informing us to make better decisions not making our decisions for us. And right. I think marketers struggle with that a lot of the time, right? Because the core thing at the end of the day is great creative, great ideas, right. the intelligence to drive that. Secondarily, you kind of marketing is such a complicated discipline, right? Mm. But everything from AR and PR and ads and demand gen and campaigns and you know sites and you know everything else, retention half the time, right? So you've got to build a multifaceted team. And if you're a marketeer, you need to think about where's your real peaks and strengths and where right. the right. aren't so good, right? And then finally, you know, you've got to think about, you know, attribution carefully as well. Um, you know, some of the ways that Google has been so successful, right? Because it has last touch attribution, mm -hmm. Google tags, right? Because they yeah. can make it look like they're really powerful. So as you think about the analytics on the programs, which is obviously very important and so forth, you've got to be very careful about making sure that you're measuring the right things. So again, don't take the wrong results, if you will. Absolutely. And you kind of brought up a couple of things there that I wanted to like touch back on. And one of them was creativity, right? 
when yeah. and and so like with everything going so analytical like a lot of the people advertising have access to a lot of really good data regardless so they have you know like they have the search intent they have the the really great audiences look like audience level six so a lot of the people advertising have really good data and i feel like what once started as a very creative you know i guess outlook which just being marketing as a whole is going back to that again right because now you're going you you kind of had like no data at all and you were just putting your creative out there and people would notice it now you have all this really good data and you can target people but it still comes out to like who are they going to remember more now that they've been targeted correctly if that makes sense and you go ahead yeah no i completely agree with you in the sense that marketing on the business to consumer side has gone through that transformation right? it's mm -hmm. gone through it was all about creativity when it was all about tv ads when i started yeah then it all went through analytics and i remember when i was running digitas in san francisco here how complicated it was to like just try and figure out what ads were performing and script codes and this and that's all been automated right technology has transformed that so that marketeers can go back to doing what marketers love to do which is do creativity right and where they're real differentials that's true on b2c and i think we see that in spades mm -hmm. i don't know that b2b is still in the second of those right so we were creative we were all about you know what great conference we could put on we're still in the land where most b2b marketeers today spend much more time than they want on just managing data in fact we ran a survey uh, through the industry council that we participate in and the number one thing that marketeers and b2b hated doing was managing data but it was the second biggest thing they did in terms of time right, right. and so that techno partly what we're trying to do partly what you're trying to evangelize i think as well is that technology is starting to change that in b2b yeah and my hope is with companies like lead space or you know others in the space you know with what's going on in our yeah. and so forth, that will allow marketeers to be marketeers again. Mm -hmm. definitely and uh, the other thing too attribution how i guess you know when, when you're dealing with enter enterprise level deals and stuff like that what kind of approaches are you are you necessarily i guess essentially taking right to to be able to attribute the sale or whatever to the right place when you have these sales cycles that are taking you know like you said sometimes even two years to close yeah it's it's a really really good question i think there's a lot of discussion about about this specific topic uh -huh. so you know clearly when you have a closed loop cycle like in b2c you know i run an ad somebody comes to my site i see the 20 clicks they do they buy something on an e-commerce site i can see retention it's it's that's easy easy it's doable <laughs> when you get i know having done that a lot it's hard but you can do it in b2b you don't have enough data it's a small data problem sometimes not a big data problem mm. you these long cycles and it's very very hard to, to 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 allocate specific activities to doing things i think one of the big trends i see at the moment is moving away from direct attribution trying to say you know this particular deal came from that particular thing but as we move into an ABM world, account-based marketing, much more influenced and account-based metrics, so, which a lot of people use as touch, right? We're doing a lot of this at Salesforce. And keeping both of those, right? Not just saying, did this email lead to that result, but saying, how did this advert on LinkedIn influence in some way? I actually don't know how, 
but it was part of this process and then building again algorithm artists to serve that. So I think that's still an emerging art. I don't think we're all the way there yet, but yeah. I'll go back to that earlier statement is, I think marketers should use that to help make better decisions, not as the basis of what decision to, what to do and just right. let them figure it out for them. Absolutely. Now let's kind of shift gears here for a little bit and essentially what are some of the things that you are currently facing inside of lead space that are, you know, I guess like hiccups or they're, they're troublesome in a sense. <laughs> One of the hard things. So, uh, you know, we're at that point of scaling as a business, right? Uh, you know, we continue to go grow pretty fast. We're adding people in the States. We've just acquired a company called reach force. Um, you know, we just won the Forrester leadership in the, in their recent wave on customer data platforms. So there's a lot of stuff like that that is like seeing like, and now you've got to drive the scale. And, and we're a company at the moment of about 80 people, right? And as CEO, we're at that interesting stage of how do we keep our culture? Mm -hmm. We've got a kind of fun and exciting and transparent culture. You know, how do we hire good people who can understand what it is we're doing? How do we obviously keep people happy so they don't go and you know, join the next thing. So I think there's, as CEO, there's a lot of those dynamics that I'm really looking at, you know, how do we continue to build the organization? Because the company is just a set of people at the end of the right. day. Um, and then the other thing is we're in a super fast moving market. Uh, you know, all the big companies, you know, whether it's Adobe or Salesforce or Microsoft are doing things in our space as well. So for our perspective, keeping ahead of that, yeah, making sure that we're, you know, yeah, out innovating, right? If we're not innovating faster than these big, 100%. large organizations, we won't be successful. So, you know, we've got to do both of those at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what is, and this is more personal too also, um, what are some, what's one thing that you don't necessarily think you're really good at? What do I think I'm not very good at? Like, like the top one thing that you just, like, you just bad at. Uh, I am not the best negotiator in the world. Okay. So, um, you know, maybe that's working with a whole lot of Israelis now who are extremely good at this. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I love to pitch. I love to sell. I love to set an agenda and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes down to the hard negotiation at the end of the day, whether it's us buying stuff from people or us selling stuff to people, that's where I really rely on my team of, you know, salespeople and so forth. So hopefully no prospects watch this episode. I don't get involved in pricing negotiations. <laughs> and uh, what's one of your biggest accomplishments so far at LeadSpace? Uh, you know, look, we're super happy about this recent Forrester wave that mm -hmm. there were only two companies out of all of the people that they looked at that were rated as leaders. And we were one of those two companies. And the other company just got acquired by DMB. That is a real achievement for a company of our size and scale and helping to set the agenda for the market. So, you know, when I took this job at LeadSpace and generally as a marketeer, I've always had the view I want to have something to say. And what I mean by that is I like doing something that's interesting, right? When I go and talk about how we aggregate, you know, offline, online, structured, unstructured data and intelligence to be able to figure out all this cool stuff that we can do for clients, Usually people find that more interesting than if I was describing how I've got a single sign-on product that allows you both to take a link in and sign on. Sure, it's a great company. Sure, whatever. But I like to do that and to be able to both have something interesting we're doing and being recognized for the leadership in that, that's what makes it exciting. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. 
if you had one piece of advice for anyone that is working in a similar position as you um, and they're, they're trying to, you know, overcome some sort of hardship, I guess, what would that be? Uh, make sure you talk to your customers. It's a kind of funny thing to say, but it was very much a mantra. I think I saw it. Salesforce and Skype and other places. I'll, get, I'll give you an example of Skype. So one day we saw a massive drop off in usership in Kenya or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to my team and, and I was like, so what do we think is going on here? And they were like, well, I don't know. And I haven't got the budget to go and do some market research and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hang on a minute. We've got this really good product to talk to people in Kenya. It's called Skype. Why don't you just talk to them? And they went and talked to them and they figured out what was going on and they restored it. So that's, that's a combination of like, you know, be scrappy, right? Yeah. Talk to your customers, try and actually talk to the end users. Mm -hmm. Don't sit back and look at your dashboards and your Slack and all the metrics and all that kind of stuff. And the other people who sit around you and be devolved from the actual market of how people are using the product. Yeah. So one of the one of the first things that I that I listened to when I was when I first started the podcast, I think it was like episode eight or something like that. Um, one one of the people mentioned, you know, like like what's the one thing that you have to keep doing in order to grow a company successfully? And he mentioned that it was to do unscalable things, right? So like talking to customers, making sure that they're happy. Um, just doing one-on-ones whenever you need to. And I, and I think it makes sense because it adds that, you know, personalization, I guess, to, to the, to the company itself, right. Before like, you're just kind of like a, a logo and a name, but when you actually step into, you know, the marketplace or your, your customer base and talk to them, they start to see you a little bit differently. Yeah. And you're going to get insights that you're not going to pick up any other way. Exactly. Right. When you go and talk to customers or, more importantly, pitch things to customers, you're going to really see a result. So when we come up with a new product and we're trying to figure out how do you pitch, you could do lots of research, you could produce lots of decks, but there's no better thing than just go out and talk to some customers before even you're necessarily ready, mm -hmm. right? And we had this term in Salesforce of tactics dictate strategy. I think that's so, at least at our stage, you know, we have, we have to get out there. We have to do things and learn from what we're doing and then use that to set our strategic direction and not all sit around in a room. You know, the world moves too fast these days. Absolutely. You have to be Definitely. Definitely. Where do you see lead space in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, well, if I have my way, <laughs> dream. So every B2B marketing organization you go to today, they've deployed some CRM typically these days, outsource. They've just deployed some marketing automation platform, whether mm -hmm. at the low end that's a HubSpot or a Pardo or all the way up at uh, Marketo and Eloquent, right? Yeah. Those are the two pillars, right? How do I create process automation for sales, process automation for marketing? And, and they probably also built a website, something like that on you know, Adobe. We want to make sure, and we're seeing this, that they also have a customer data platform, right? A single place to unify all that data. And that's a pillar of their strategy integrating into it. They have no solution to do that today. At the moment, they try and just mix it together. They might use something else, but we're going to be that. So every company out there, they're going to have a customer data platform. A lot of them will be us, not all of them. And that's going to mean that you as a customer, a B2B customer, mm -hmm. you or me or whatever, is not just about selling more. It's about us getting more relevant, better, useful engagement so that we can do our jobs better. At the end right. of the day, it has to be a payoff for our customers too. A hundred percent. Definitely. Now we're getting close to the last questions here, but what are some of 
what is your number one, you know, like a, a software company out there that you, you're studying, you're listening to, and, and you just look up to because you've been doing so great and preferably like an, gone like an early stage one. And I don't want, you don't want me to say sales. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I can't, it, it can't be out there for like, you know, years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, who do I look at? And I think is doing really interesting things at the early stage. Um, you know, look, so I was, and again, these are now bigger companies, so it's not that helpful, but, you know, I do look at companies like Slack as well, right? having been in the enterprise collaboration space for a long time, that took a view and, and really sort of shifted the model for how people think about communications. I think that's pretty transformative. I think what Zoom is doing, and we're using Zoom at the moment as a company, is yeah. you know, laser focused on solving a real consumer problem. And you, you look at it and you go, so why is Zoom any different from GoToMeeting or WebEx yeah. or whatever? But because of their single-minded focus and their focus on execution and quality and you know, just filling out the set of stuff people need to do, you know, I, think, I think that's really good too. So I think those are a couple of the companies I really admire in terms of how they're, they're really building a cr amazing franchises um, in actually pretty crowded spaces. Yeah, and, and I think that's the most impressive things when you see companies that are doing something where there's already like a ton of other big players in there and they start to like gain some really good traction i think that's where it's really worth the time to like go and you know like see what it is that these people are doing that they're actually getting out there at the scale that they're doing it with all the other companies that are already in that space as well yeah well we have the luxury of most of those guys being our customers too. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you, can talk, you can talk to them and get 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 all the get all the expert secrets from them as well. Yeah. Awesome. And uh what's your favorite book? So I'm not a big uh business book fan, but there's a book on AI because I, I find the question of general AI and how that's gonna transform society. There's a book called Life 3.0. I don't okay. know. Uh -huh. I think is a fantastic primer on the kinds of questions that we need to think about and think about quickly if we're going to make sure that we set up general AI in a way that's that's potentially helpful for us. If we uh -huh. can, I, I see, I'm much more in the doomsday camp than the mm -hmm. positive camp on AI, and I think we need to think a lot about it before it's too late. Very interesting. Definitely check that out. And uh, Doug, where can people find you online? Yeah, so the company is www.leadspace.com. Uh, me personally, you can obviously send me a, an email at doug at leadspace.com. I'm on Twitter at Dougino, D-O-G-I-N-O, which is uh, I'm married to an Italian, and that means little Doug. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, great. Uh, Doug, do you have any last questions for me? No, I think, you know, what is exciting for me and what you're doing here is how we get more content out. I guess part of this is what you're doing is helping educate, you know, your audience. And I'm just kind of intrigued for as, as you as a, I believe an agency in this space and so forth, whether this is helpful for educating your audience and you're seeing the results from that. Definitely. And, and, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be on here, share some of your knowledge on, you know, customer data and all those interesting things. So I really appreciate that. And uh, for anyone that's watching, please subscribe to the to the show. Uh, subscribe to all the you know 
Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is that you listen to and go follow Doug on, on LinkedIn, on Twitter and, and check him out. If you have any questions, make sure you reach out to him and uh, thank you for another great episode. We'll speak soon. Right. Thanks a lot.